Chapter 3 of On the Trail, an Outdoor Book for Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On the Trail, an Outdoor Book for Girls by Lena Beard. Chapter 3 Camping, Campsites, Water, Wood, Tents, Shelters, Lean Tos, Fires, Cooking, Safety and Protection, Sanitation, Camp Spirit. Information. Whether your camp is to be for one day, one week, or a longer period of time, the first question to be decided is, where shall we go? If you know of no suitable spot, inquire of friends, and even if they have not personally enjoyed the delights of camping and sleeping in the open, one or more of them will probably know of some acquaintance who will be glad to give the information. Write to the various newspapers, magazines, railroads, and outdoor societies for suggestions. The Geological Survey of the United States at Washington, D.C. will furnish maps giving location and extent of forest and waterways, also location and character of roads. You can obtain the maps for almost any part of every state. Most public automobile houses supply maps of any desired region. Send letters of inquiry to these sources of information, and in this way, you will probably learn of many just-the-right-place localities. Select a number of desirable addresses, investigate them, and make your own choice of location, Remembering that the first three essentials for camp are good ground, water, and wood. The rest is easy. From these three, from the foundation for camping. Location. Wherever you go, choose a dry spot, preferably in an open space near wooded land. Avoid howls where the water will run into your shelters in wet weather. Let your camp be so located that in case of rain, the water will drain down away from it. Remember this, or you may find your camp afloat upon a temporary lake or swamp should a storm arise. Water. Pure drinking water you must have. It is of vital importance. So be sure to pitch your camp within near walking distance of a good spring, securely covered well, or other supply of pure water. Henry David Thoreau's method of obtaining clear water from a pond whose surface was covered with leaves, etc., was to push his pail, without tipping it, in the least, straight down under the water until the top edge was below the surface several inches, then quickly lift it out, in doing this, the overflow would carry off all leaves and twigs, leaving the remaining water in the pail clear and good. But you must first be sure that the pond contains pure water under the floating debris. Always be cautious about drinking water from rivers, streams, ponds, and lakes, though they may appear ever so clear and tempting, for the purity is by no means assured, and to drink from these sources may cause serious illness. Unless you are absolutely sure that the water is free from impurities, boil it, then it will be safe to use for drinking and cooking. Next in importance to good water is good firewood and woodsy material for shelters and beds. Bear this in mind when deciding upon the site for your camp. Companions Because your companions can make or mar the happiness in camp, it is safer to have in your party only those girls who would take kindly to the camp spirit of friendly helpfulness, those always ready to laugh and treat discomforts as jokes. This means that though fun-loving and full of buoyancy in life, each girl will willingly do her part and assume her share of responsibilities. Safeguarding. You should also count among your companions two or more camp directors, possibly mothers of the girls, teachers, or older friends of whom the parents approve, who will enter heartily into all phases of outdoor life and while really being one with you in sport and work, will at the same time keep careful oversight and assure protection. Avoid localities where there is a possibility of tramps or undesirable characters of any description, and do not wander from camp alone or unaccompanied by one of the directors. If your camp is in the forest, it will be part of wisdom to secure also a reliable guide who knows the forest ways. The Start 
the day before you leave for your camping ground, have everything in readiness, that there may be no delay when it is time to go. Be prompt, for you want to play fair and not keep the other girls waiting, causing them to lose valuable time. The stimulating exhilaration which comes with trailing through the forest to camp, the keen delight of adventure, the charm of the wilderness, the freedom and wonder of living in the woods, all make for the health and happiness of the girl camper. And once experienced, ever after with the advent of spring comes the call of the untrampled life in the big outdoors. The one-day camp. Even a one-day camp fills the hours with more genuine, lasting enjoyment than girls can find in other ways. There's a charm about it which clings in your memory, making a joy later of the mere thought and telling of the event. That every moment of the day may be filled full of enjoyment for all, have a good program, some definite, well-thought-out plans of activities and sports previously prepared, and if possible, let every girl know beforehand just what she is to do when all arrive at camp. With an older person in charge, the party could be divided, according to its size, into different groups, and as soon as the grounds are reached, the groups should begin the fun of preparing for the camp dinner. If the party consists of eight, two can gather firewood, two build the fireplace, two unpack the outfits, placing the provisions and cooking utensils in order conveniently near the fire, and two can bring the drinking water and cooking water. Provisions and cooking utensils should be divided into as many packs as there are campers, and every camper carry a pack. Count in the outfit for each one a tin cup, preferably with open handle for wearing over belts. In the one-day camp, very few cooking utensils are needed. They may consist of two tin pails, one for drinking water, the other for boiling water, one coffee pot for cocoa, one frying pan for flapjacks or eggs, one large kitchen knife for general use, and one large spoon for stirring batter and cocoa. Camp Dinner Counting on a keen outdoor appetite for wholesome substantials, the provision list includes only plain fare, such as lamb chops or thinly sliced bacon packed in oil paper, dry cocoa to which sugar has been added, carried in can or stout paper bag, one can of condensed milk, unsweetened to be diluted with water according to directions on can, butter and baking powder can, dry flour mixed with salt and baking powder in required proportions for flapjacks, packed in strong paper bag and carried in one of the tin pails, bread and loaf wrapped in wax paper, potatoes washed and dried ready to cook, packed in paper bag or carried in second tin pail, pepper and salt each sealed in separate marked envelopes. When needed, perforate paper with big pin and use envelopes as shakers. One egg for batter buried in the flour to prevent breaking, and one small can of creamy maple sugar soft enough to spread on hotcakes or can of ordinary maple syrup. The Cleanup while resting after dinner is the time for storytelling, then before taking part in sports of any kind, every particle of debris, even small bits of eggshell and paper, should be gathered up and burned until not a vestige remains. To be good sports, thought must be taken for the next comers, and the camping ground left in perfect order, and so leave free from litter or debris of any kind. When breaking camp, be sure to soak the fire with water again and again. It is criminal to leave any coals or even a spark of the fire smoldering. Be positive that the fire is out. Shelters and tents, lean to. For a fixed camp of longer or shorter duration, your home will be under the shelter of boughs, logs, or canvas. The home of green boughs is considered by many the ideal of camp shelters. This you can make for yourself. It is a simple little two-sided slanting roof and back and open front shed, made of the materials of the woods and generally known as a lean-to, sometimes as baker tent when of canvas. There are three ways of erecting the front framework. The first is to find two trees standing about seven feet apart with convenient branches down low enough to support the horizontal top cross pole when laid in the crotches. Lacking the proper trees, the second method is to get 
two strong, straight, forked poles of green wood and drive them down into the ground deep enough to make them stand firm and upright by themselves, the required distance apart. The third way is to reinforce the uprights by shorter forked stakes driven firmly into the ground and braced against the uprights, but this is not often necessary. Having your uprights in place, extending above ground five feet or more, lay its top pole across, fitting its ends into the forked tops of the uprights. Against this top pole rest five or six slender poles at regular distance apart, one end of each against the top pole and the other end on the ground slanting outward and backward sufficiently to give a good slope and allowing sleeping space underneath. At right angles to the slanting poles, lay across them other poles, using the natural pegs or stumps left on the slanting poles by lobbed off branches as braces to hold the cross poles in place. When building the frame, be sure to place the slanting poles so that the little stumps left on them will turn up and not down, that they may hold the cross poles. Try to have spaces between cross poles as regular as possible. A log may be rolled up against the ground ends of the slanting poles to prevent their slipping, though this is rarely necessary for they stand firm as a rule. You can cover the frame with bark and then thatch it, which will render the shelter better able to withstand a storm. You may omit the bark using only the thatch as a covering. Put on very thick, this should make the lean-to rainproof. With small tips of branches from trees, preferably balsam, hemlock, or other evergreens, begin thatching your shelter. Commence at the bottom of the lean-to and hook on the latch branches close together all the way across the lowest cross pole, using the stumps of these thatch branches as hooks to hold the thatch in place on the cross pole. Overlap the lower thatches as you work along the next higher cross pole, like shingles in a house, and continue in this way, overlapping each succeeding cross pole with an upper row of thatch until the top is reached. Fill in the sides thick with branches, boughs, or even small thick trees. The lean-to frame can be covered with your poncho in case of necessity, but boughs are much better. Permanent Camp Lean-to Open Camp Another kind of lean-to intended for a permanent camp is in general use throughout the Aerodondacks. It is built of substantial, good-sized logs put together log cabin fashion, open front, slanting roof, and low back. This shelter has usually a broad floor raised a few inches above the ground and covered thick, at least a foot deep, with balsam. Overspread with blankets, the soft floor forms a comfortable bed. A log across the front of the floor keeps the balsam in place and forms a seat for the campers in the evenings when gathered for a social time before the fire. The roof of the log lean-to can be either boards or well-thatched poles, which have first been overlaid with bark. One of the most comfortable and delightful of real forest camps which I have ever been in was a permanent camp in the Aerodondacks, owned and run by one of the best Aerodondac guides. The camp consisted of several shelters and two big permanent fireplaces. Over the ground space for the large tent outlined with logs was a strong, substantial, rustic frame, both a material at hand in the forest and intended to last many seasons. The shelter boasted of two springy, woodsy beds, made of slender logs laid crosswise and raised some inches from the ground. These slender logs slanted down slightly from head to foot of the bed, and the edges of the bed were built high enough to hold the deep, thick filling of balsam tips, so generously deep as to do away with all consciousness of the underlining slender log foundation. Each bed was wide enough for two girls, and the shelter ample to accommodate comfortably four campers. There could have been one more bed when the tent would have sheltered six girls. In the late fall, the guide removed the waterproof tent covering and kept it in a safe, dry place until needed leaving the beds and bare tent frame standing. There was a smaller tent and also a lean-to in this camp. The dining table, contrived of logs and boards, was sheltered by a square of canvas and a rustic frame. The camp dishes of white enamel ware were kept in a wooden box nailed to a close-by tree. In this box, the guide had put shells resting them on wooden cleats. 
The cupboard had a door that shut tight and fastened securely to keep out the little wild creatures of the woods. Pots, kettles, frying pan, etc. hung on the stubs of a slender tree where branches and top had been lobbed off. The sealed foods were stowed away in a box cupboard, and canned goods were cached in a cave-like spot under a huge rock, with openings secured by stones. The walls of the substantial fireplace, fully two feet high, were of big stones, the center filled in partway with earth, and the cook fire was made on top of the earth, so there was not the slightest danger of the fire spreading. The soft, warm, cheerful-colored camp blankets, when not in use, were stored carefully under cover of a waterproof, tent-like storehouse, with the canvas sides dropped from the ridge pole. Both sides and flaps securely fastened in the entire storehouse made proof against intrusion. This camp was located near a lake in the mountain forest, and its charm was indescribably delightful. Tents Tents in almost endless varieties of shapes and sizes are manufactured and sold by camp outfitters and sporting goods shops. The tents range from small canoe tents, accommodating one person only, to the large wall tents for four or more people. When using tents, difficulties of transportation and extra weight can be overcome by having tent poles and pegs cut in the forest. If you purchase tents, full instructions for erection go with them. Write for illustrated catalogs to various outfitters and look the books over carefully before buying. Your choice will depend upon your party, length of stay, and location of camp. You may be able to secure a discarded army tent that has never been used, is in good condition, and has been condemned merely for some unimportant blemish. Such tents are very serviceable and can be purchased at government auctions or from dealers who themselves have bought them from the government. A large square 7 by 7 feet or more of balloon silk, waterproof cloth, or even heavy ambleach sheeting will be found most useful in camp. So strong tape strings at the four corners and at intervals along the sides for tying to shelters, etc. The waterproof cloth will serve as a drop curtain in front of the lean-to during a hard storm, or as carpet cloth over ground of shelter, also as an extra shelter, either lean-to or tent style. Any of the three materials can do duty as windbreak, Fly to shelter or dining canopy may be used in other ways. Camp Beds To drive joy and strength from your outing, it is of serious importance that you sleep well every night while at camp. Your camp bed must be comfortable to ensure a good night's rest. A bow bed is one of the joys of the forest. When it is well made, and to put it together properly will require about half an hour's time. The delight of sleeping on a soft balsam bed perfumed with the pungent odors of the balsam will well replay for the time expended. Bow Bed Tips of balsam broken off with your fingers about 14 inches long make the best of beds, but hemlock, spruce, and other evergreens can be used. They are not obtainable. The fan-like branches from other trees may take their place. Of these, you will need a large quantity in order to have the bed springy and soft. Always place the outdoor bed with the head well under cover and foot towards the opening of shelter or, if without shelter, toward the fire. Make the bed by arranging the branches shingle-like in very thick overlapping rolls, convex side up directly on the ground with thick ends of stems toward the foot. Push these ends into the ground so that the tips will be raised slantingly up from the earth. Make the rows which will come under the hips extra thick and springy. Continue placing the layers in this manner until the space for single or double bed, as the case may be, is covered with the first layer of your green mattress. Over it, make another layer of branches, reversing the ends of these tips from those underneath by pushing the thick ends or branches of this top layer slantingly into the under layer toward the head of the bed with foots toward the foot. Make more layers until the bed is about two feet thick. Then cover the mattress those made with your poncho, rubber side down, and on top spread one of the sleeping blankets, using the other one as a cover. Be sure to allow plenty of time for this work and have the bed dry and soft. Bag bed. When the camp is located where there is no material for a bow bed, 
Each girl can carry with her a bag three feet wide and six and one half feet long, made of strong cloth, ticking, soft khaki, or like material, to be filled with leaves, grass, or other browse found on or near the campgrounds. Such a mattress made up with poncho and blankets is very satisfactory, but must be well filled so that when you lie on the mattress, it will not mash flat and hard. Cot bed. For an entire summer camp, army cots, which fold for packing, are good and very comfortable with a double-thick quilt placed on top for a mattress. The sporting goods stores show a great variety of other beds, cots, and sleeping bags, and a line to them will bring illustrated catalogs, or if in the city, you can call and see the goods. Any of the beds I've described, however, can be used to advantage, and I heartily endorse the well-made bow bed, especially if of balsam. Pillows. Make a bag one half yard square of brown linen or cotton cloth. When you reach camp, gather the best brows you can find for filling, but be careful about having the pillow too full. Keep it soft and comfortable. There's no browse, use clean underwear in its place. Fasten the open end of the bag together with large-sized patent dress snappers. One of the pleasantest phases of a season's camping are the little side trips for overnight. You hit the trail that leads to the chosen spot located some two or three, perhaps six or seven miles distant. A place absolutely dry where you can enjoy the fun of sleeping on the ground without shelter, having merely the starry sky for a canopy. Each girl can select the spot where she is to sleep and free it from all twigs, stones, etc., as the smallest and most insignificant in these will rob her of her sleep and make the night most uncomfortable. When the space is smooth, mark the spot where the shoulders rest where in lying down and another spot immediately under the hips. Then dig a howl for each to fit in easily, covering the sleeping space with poncho, rubber side down, and over this lay a fold-in blanket for a mattress, using the second blanket as a cover. Your sleep will then probably be sound and refreshing. Guards Establish watchers for this temporary camp and relays to keep guard through the night and care for the fire, not allowing it to spread, grow too hot, or die down and go out. There are eight in the party, the first two, starting in at 10 p.m., will keep vigil until 12 midnight. These may chance to see a porcupine or other small wild animal, but the little creatures will not come too near as long as your campfire is burning. The next two watchers will be on duty until 2 a.m. and will doubtless hear, if not see, some of the wildlife of the forest. The third couple's turn lasts until 4 a.m. Then the last two will be wakened in time to see the sunrise, listening to the twittering and singing of the wild birds and possibly catch a glimpse of wild deer. With 6 a.m. comes broad daylight, and the ever-to-be-remembered night in the open is past and gone. These side trips bring you into closer touch with nature, quicken your love for and a desire to know more of the wild, and, much to the light of the campers keeping guard through the hours of the night, there comes a keen sense of the unusual, of novel experience, of strangeness, and adventure. Exercise While wholesome camping calls for sufficient physical exercise to cause a girl to be blissfully tired at night, and yet awaken refreshed and full of energy the next morning with a good appetite for breakfast, till you become accustomed to the outdoor life, it is best to curb your ambition to outdo the other girls in strength and endurance. It is best not to overtax yourself by traveling too far on a long trail at one stretch by lifting too heavy a log, stone, or other weight. End of chapter 3, part 1.